But the question is, you know, what's this going to do for me today? That's the message that, that makes it really exciting. So it's this upfront benefit backed up by proof mm-hmm. that supports this big idea of the product itself. You hear all the bull about marketing every day. Make your money in your sleep. My new offer is crushing it. My guru could beat up your guru. It's time to go right to the source and get the truth about marketing. With your host, the founder of CopyChief.com, Kevin Rogers. about marketing it's kev rogers here thanks for listening great episode today i say that i know you go kev you say they're all but they all are great and they only get better and roy and i were just talking about that that these shows are getting better and better because the guests are better and better and they're sharing more and more and it's going to be no different today i got roy fur with me today from breakthrough marketing secrets.com that's where you can dive into Roy's brain and get all his wisdom. He is a well-known direct response copywriter. He's really making a lot of noise in the industry. People quote him all the time. And he's a business growth consultant. He's written with top names like, I mean, this is the top of the top. Bill Bonner, Michael Masterson, who is Mark Ford, Brian Kurtz. He wrote the Titans of Direct Response sales letter. Pretty famous gig there. And he's one of the few living copywriters with a testimonial from the great, the legendary Gary Bensavanga. So, Roy, man, thanks for being here. Hey, thank you, thank you, Kevin. I am, I'm so stoked to be on on this podcast. Like I was telling you, I've I've gone back and I I, I have over the last couple of weeks just been refreshing myself with all the quality on here, and 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 I've I consider myself to be in great company, and I'm looking forward to uh, what I can share with with listeners. Thank you, brother. Yeah, this will be fun, man. Uh, you got a lot of great topics. We, we're, I mean, there's so much we could talk about. You're consistently writing great stuff. I really do. It, look, if you're into copywriting, most of my audience is really passionate about copywriting. And you're not familiar with Roy's stuff. BreakthroughMarketingSecrets.com. Go over there. Get on his list. It's you know pure content, high-value stuff. Roy, something that fascinated me because when I started in copywriting, you know, 12 or so years ago, there's really only one course and it was, you know, Michael Masterson's accelerated six figure copywriting course, I think it was called. And yes. one of the big appeals to that, it was a great course, but the, the sort of the big carrot was, hey, if you get, if you're okay at this, you know, there's a pretty good chance we would end up paying you $10,000 to write, to write a simple letter. <laughs> and it, it, you know, I, I didn't pursue that as I guess, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm in the 80% there of people who go great course, feel like I learned that, but you know, I don't see myself winning that prize. You, you did it. You, you made yeah. that happen. So give me the recap of that journey. Yeah. So it, it's, it's probably more like the, the, the 80, 20 squared or 80, 20 cubed for anybody who's read Perry Marshall's book on 80, yeah. 20, as far as people who don't pursue it. But what I realized very early on in my career, actually starting with my first freelance copywriting client, is if I worked with really good marketers, I could often get paid to learn direct response marketing. And there was something about direct response marketing that really just sucked me down the rabbit hole and that I found completely fascinating from the moment I, I heard about it. 
And of course, uh, at the at that time, which I, you know, I probably discovered AWAI in 2006, 2007, something like that. At, at that time, they were the only game in town in terms of copywriting training for the masses. And and I I realized uh, early that the same people who ran AWAI were were the same people who who were the copywriters at Agora, which uh, today is somewhere north of half a billion dollars a year, as far as I understand it. Mm-hmm. They could be doing a billion dollars a year in direct response revenue. I, you know, it's it's not a public company, so so the numbers aren't published except for in the occasional essay or something. But I realized that all those same copywriters who were building Agora were teaching what they what they learned through AWAI, and so. I I became completely fascinated with the company. I started entering very early, early contests with them. And and actually, this is a funny story. The first contest that I entered back when they were running contests on almost a weekly basis, they had a catalog cover design contest for I think it was Palm Beach Jewelry. And you you were supposed to like write the copy. And then maybe if you wanted to throw in some graphics, but I actually, I found this red curtain graphic and, and I wrote some headline for the cover of this jewelry catalog, uh, that, that said, you know, look at the amazing deals behind the curtains or, or, you know, just wait till you see the amazing deals behind the curtains turn inside for, you know, and then all these bullets about the, the deals that they were going to get inside. And, and Katie Yakel, who, who runs AWA, I called me up and she said, Roy, uh, I have good news and bad news or a question. She said, the good news is, is you won. Like your, your catalog cover was head and shoulders above everybody else. The bad news is I don't see that you're actually like an AWAI member. So what should we do about that? <laughs> and I said, okay. And, this is like and, a, a prize and a pitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so I think they made more money off me that day than and they gave me. Which has consistently been my relationship with AWAI. It went on, and and I was actually writing winners for them. By early 2010, when I launched my freelance career, they were my primary client my first year. And because of the success I was having with them, it started with these contests and specs and things like that. I, I actually went on and and won that 10K Challenge Award, where they gave me a $10,000 check standing on stage in in Delray Beach, Florida that year at the AWAI bootcamp. Awesome. And, and since then, I, you know, I haven't really looked back. I, 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 I had a vision, uh, intentions for where I wanted to take my copywriting career, working with the best direct marketers in the business. And AWAI was, was, was one great client along the way. Uh, I, and, and I've worked with a lot since then, too. Now, what's your main focus now, your, your main niche? Is it, is it finance? Yeah. Uh, in terms of client work, it's all about investing the financial stuff. But more broadly, there was a there was a term that I actually heard from Gary Bensavinga that that captured it perfectly because he uses words that capture things perfectly. And <laughs> and and the term was wealth, because because I've always found that I'm so interested in like anything with an ROI component. So you want to talk about marketing, you want to talk about business, you want to talk about all of that. Like it's fascinating to me, the entire game of like wealth creation and wealth accumulation. 
And and so I can write about investing from an individual investor investing in the stock market perspective. I can write about marketing. I can write about business. And to me, it's like one big spectrum, right? And it all falls under that wealth category. So, you know, I, I for clients, I work primarily in the financial publishing niche, but uh, I also generally like like you said at the beginning of the interview, I, I write for Breakthrough Marketing Secrets, and and so I'm writing daily about marketing and business as well. That's great. It seems like to me that is the there there are the fewest copywriters in in financial. Well, is that my perspective or it seems like I get more requests for that and I know less writers to recommend for that? Well, I th- I think there are, it's a it's a very 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 competitive landscape. Mm-hmm. It's it's where the best of the best compete. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there are a lot of people who are who, who want to be good financial copywriters. But uh, when you get into the really competitive landscape that's been created by the best in the business, uh, there are very few who really stick with it long enough to develop the, the, the competitive edge it takes to, to, to be on the radar of somebody like you. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, we just had Joe Schrieffer, you know, teaching Copy yeah. Chief, his amazing copyboarding process. And, you know such high value we've been using it in the community and he, i was like joe this is so great like you know he goes all i want is more more leads for copywriters <laughs> if you could get somebody to come you know move here to baltimore and join our team i'm like Are you kidding that would be the other great win i could provide my community so it just goes to show i mean not only that joe's a great guy who really understands business and, and you know giving first but how how difficult you know there's not not a lot of people in the world looking to make this their 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 living right yeah and i'll I'll tell you absolutely just if somebody is interested in that i i was in a situation where i discovered copywriting shortly before getting married and moving to oregon for five to six years for my wife's phd program in counseling psychology Mm. And so I was never interested in moving to Baltimore or to Delray Beach, which are the two places where uh, Agora has the most offices and the most writers and and the Agora divisions as well. And so I never really was in a position where, where I was ready to do that. But today, if you want to become a, a really high-level financial copywriter, there is really no better way than to try and get an in-house job with with one of the Agora divisions. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have it they have it refined that they take somebody from nobody mm-hmm. to a competitive world class copywriter over the course of a few grueling, you know, painful years. Yeah. But but they do it. Right. And, and yeah. And you could be making really good money within those couple of years. It, it's not like they put you through the ringer and say, "Hey, good luck," right? Or offer you some crappy, slowly scalable opportunity to to make money with them. Yeah, they want to see you rich. If if you're if you're great and you come out and you've really got some talent and you put in the work, they've you know their new writers are making a lot of money within a few years. Yes. So it, yes, it 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 really is one of the most amazing opportunities in in the in the entire workforce. But you got to be one of these freaks, <laughs> as you were saying earlier, Roy. What Bill Bonner says, you know, open a vein and bleed on the page. 
Yeah, yeah. So he gave he gave a speech. I guess it was it was actually at that at that boot camp where I got the check on stage. Uh, he gave a speech where he said, you know, I don't know why any of you are here in this room wanting to become copywriters, because if you really want to compete like in financial publishing and and, and the fields where, where where the top copywriters play, you have to be willing to take a bottle of whiskey and put that in your left desk drawer and a loaded revolver and put that in your right desk drawer and then bleed all over the page. So, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm, I'm feeling this pain today. I'm, I'm more than a decade into, into writing copy. I, I went full-time freelance in 2010 and, and I've been writing financial copy for, for more than half a decade. And, and I submitted a draft that I thought was brilliant. To, to, to an A-list marketing team, including one of the top A-list copywriters in the world. And the feedback that I got just, just showed me how, how wide that gap is between, you know, uh, our first draft, even as, as skilled, qualified copywriters who know uh, what we're doing, and something that's really going to, you know, be a bust-the-door-down control for, for, for getting new customers for a financial newsletter. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, you know, it's it, our motto in Copy Chief is nobody writes alone, right? And and that, yes. that proves it. The thing is, though, the first draft, you're kind of alone. <laughs> I mean, you could do yes. things during the research phase, and you can you definitely want to have some group think in, in those in the prep. But sitting down, pumping out that first draft, I think that that is the moment that makes or breaks a copywriter, right? It's it takes self discipline. It takes you know a certain level of confidence in fighting through resistance in and slowly over time and really over your whole career just developing a process to get a great first draft and like you said it can feel like oh man I I just nailed it and then you get some bunch of red ink back and you're like oh right back <laughs> down to earth yeah I'm sure because you know what you're doing and it felt great to you through this back and forth it, it will be great. Yeah. Well, the, ultimately, the thing is, you know, this this particular promo and, and you know, I don't want to talk too much at a at a school or or, or, or whatever. But this particular promo, it, you know, it was based on on a big idea that the client had that was interesting enough on on its own, but that really wasn't wasn't singing yet. And then I found this piece of research that, that just connected the dots. And, and a lot of top copywriters talk about how much proof drives the success of of a promo and so you know you can say something and somebody can like the sound of what you're saying but if they don't believe you ultimately enough to pull out their money and give it to you in exchange for whatever it is you're offering that that that's going to kill the sale and and so every really exciting compelling piece of proof element you know piece of proof that you can come up with that's what's going to tip the scales of believability in your favor so that you actually, you know, get the response so that you get the sales and so that you get them on on a mass scale such that you can be profitable in in highly competitive marketplaces. Mm -hmm. And and so we had this idea and then I had this proof. But then what happened was, you know, I kind of let the proof be enough. I let it speak for itself. Instead of saying, okay, how can I make this so uh, hyper relevant to to my reader, to my prospect, that they can't ignore the impact that it will have on their life? And and 
that was the the missing link. So, you know, you talk about uh, this particular proof was about this big long-term trend. But the question is, you know, what's this going to do for me today? And it wasn't until, you know, that's that's the message that that makes the that makes it really exciting. So it's, it's, you know, this, this upfront benefit backed up by proof Mm -hmm. that supports this big idea of the product itself. And, and, you know, it, it wasn't until all those pieces were really lining up that, that, that we have something that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident in the market has a way of killing your confidence too, but (laughs) all these layers of potential. Yeah. Defeat. I love it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's a, you really we're getting some deep stuff and I love it. I want to follow up on that a little bit because you know yeah. big ideas is kind of one of the most elusive terms we throw around and people go well, yes. exactly is a big idea. But you you're bringing up a great point of it like a big idea if not supported by in, you know proof solid proof and and hopefully lots of it it can isn't isn't enough. So. Is that part of your process for deciding on a big idea if you have proof at hand to back it up? Yeah. Uh, what was the what was the blogger that was on your on your show maybe a couple dozen episodes ago? Terry Dean maybe or uh, No, it wasn't Terry Dean. I'm, uh, I'm, John Morrow? Yeah, John Morrow. Mm-hmm. He was talking about how his his very best blog posts actually start with proof. You know, he's not just writing about what he wants to write about. He's writing about what he has proof to back up. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, most of my writing process is, is not a writing process. It's a it's a it's a discovery process. It is uh, uh, what I'm looking for is I, I'm looking for how to make myself a, a category of one solution to a problem that the prospect has. And, and so much of that comes from researching, from talking to, in, in most cases, it's an editor behind the, the financial service that, that, that I'm promoting. And, and actually, I, you know, what, what I have, what I, what I try to do is find what maps to, to a copy formula that, that I identified based on the work of Dan Kennedy, but I took it a little bit further uh, to make it even more useful. And and when I taught this in, in Clayton Makepeace's mastermind, he actually took notes on it. It's it's I call it PISA. And you know, if you're sitting there with a pen, you can write this down. P-A-I-S-A. PISA. And so what I'm looking for is first P is for problem. So I'm looking for the problem that my product solves. And I can find that problem in the market. I can find that problem by, you know, I was on investment forums today looking for people complaining about current conditions of the market or whatever. I can find that in in what the what the person who created the service says that they're solving. I can find that in all sorts of different places, but I'm looking for a problem that's definitive, that's that's out there. I'm and then A is for agitate. I'm looking for a way to make that problem feel emotionally real present to make the person actually actually Marty Edelston who who founded boardroom mm-hmm. had a question that he would ask and he would say does this copy make me vibrate yes and and that is you know does it have this this emotional power that that I'm actually having a visceral response to the copy you know the craziest thing happened and I'll get back to Python in just a second craziest thing happened I, I actually saw a 
a VSL for the first time of copy that I'd written in the survival niche. And I was about four minutes in and I realized that my pulse was, <laughs> was up. I was sweating a little bit mm. and I was like, this is, this is good stuff. And it was, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So problem agitate and then invalidate. So, so what I'm looking for is all the reasons that all the other solutions that the prospect has tried have not worked. I'm looking to invalidate all of the other things that they've tried, because if you don't give them a reason why the other things have worked, they're going or have not worked, they're going to group your solution in with all the other failed solutions. But by, by saying that, um, why all the other solutions that they've tried are invalid, you're actually setting buying criteria in your favor that favors your product. It also creates your it creates a category around your product that is a, a category of one. So if you do this right, you become the only the only legitimate solution to the problem that you've been talking about. Right. And all of this can actually happen, problem, agitate, invalidate before you even get to the the product itself. So like I in the survival niche, I wrote about a, a EMP resistant backup solar generator that a client of mine had invented. And we spent the first 6,000 words of a 12,000 word video script and direct mail piece talking, not even mentioning the product. It was like 6,200 words in before we talked about the product. Mm -hmm. So you go problem, agitate, invalidate, and then solve. That's where you actually present your solution as this as the solution that is uniquely able to solve the, the problem you've been discussing. And then A on the end is just ask. And that's a reminder that if you don't make a clear, compelling offer, you are not going to get response. So Paisa. Great. And, and, you know, when I'm... When I'm putting together my copy, a lot of times I'm just looking for different pieces of research that 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 fall into all of those categories and and back up my claims on all those categories. So so for example, this this promotion that I'm that I'm working on, you know, I, I had the big idea, the the solution that the that the that the product was created to give prospects. But uh, it wasn't until I found this piece of this one particular piece of research that happened to line up perfectly unintentionally too, that 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 suddenly I had this this whole narrative just kind of dropped in my lap. And that actually came in kind of a fit of desperation where I realized that, oh, you know, oh, my goodness, I, I, I'm trying to be creative here, but I'm not able to write copy just based on my own creativity alone. And so I, I went over to the, to the editor's Twitter feed and this guy posts on Twitter like six times a day. And I was just scrolling back through months of tweets for anything. And there was a retweet of, of this study of like one particular table out of the study. And it just, you know, it just lit up because you know, I knew, I knew that I had this solution, but I didn't have a great way to present the problem until I hit the study, which was everything. Wow. I love that. Love that moment where you, it's like my friend John Carlton talks about you're in marketing detective mode, right? Yes. And you're yes. getting these clues and you're, oh, I'm about to break the case. And then, <laughs> and then the Columbo moment happens, you know, where you can just see it all. Ah, that was it. Uh, he's going to beat you to death with this now. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's great, dude. Yeah, we talk a lot in, in marketing about the conversation going on in the prospect's head and you know, we could have a whole show on that, but 
That is, again, one of those elusive things, and you seem to have a knack for helping people understand and, and use tactically, you know, tools to get at those things. Yeah. What, what do you, how do you, well, how do you determine the conversation happening in the prospect's head? Uh, you know, uh, again, it, it goes back to, it goes back to research, but it, it, you have to think about, you, you have to pay attention to kind of the pulse in the marketplace. You have to pay attention. You have to read what your prospects are reading. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a, a good example is is I spend a lot of time on financial news sites, and, and sometimes it feels like way too much time. But but I want to know exactly the the different opinions, the different beliefs, the different values that are being conveyed to to my marketplace. And, and actually, you know, I, I see this question come up over and over again with with copywriters or marketing consultants, anybody that's helping clients actually develop their marketing. And and that's, you know, should I pick a niche? Should I, should I specialize? Should I, mm-hmm. should I really focus on one narrow area? And this is where specialists really end up shining because, you know, if I try to spend all of my time really bouncing from market to market and and I've done it. I've, you know, I've, I've tried to work with A-list health marketers and failed, you know, I, it turns out I'm not very good at that. And, and it's just because, you know, I'm not connected with that, with that ongoing narrative in their head. When I decided I wanted to become a, (laughs) the timing was good. Uh, When I decided I wanted to become a financial copywriter, I, I was working for an IT training company at the time. And this was like, late 2007, early 2008. And I said, well, the best thing that I can do is start investing so I can really understand the psychology of a, of investors. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can feel what it's like to lose money and I can feel what it's like to make some money. Well, over the next 12 months or so, if anybody knows the stock market, they know what happened in 2008. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I really did get radically powerful lesson in, in what it's like to be an investor who loses money, who watches the market just go down and down and down and down. And so by being a member of my target audience, although I was a bit younger than and still am a bit younger than than, you know, the the demographic core of our our audience, I I really started to understand not just the, you know, the 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 words that they're using in their head, but the feelings that investors have as they watch every little tick of the tape or read the news and, and wonder what it's going to mean for their portfolio and their retirement. Right. And so you, you pay attention to that and then you put it all in the context of, of like of principles taught by, by the greats, Gene Schwartz in, in Breakthrough Advertising, which there's a brand new copy of it right. that, that Brian Kurtz has, has just republished and he he actually goes through the, his market awareness model, which was completely radical and unique when he published it, and 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 talks about how different markets at different levels of awareness actually will respond to completely different messages. And the less aware that somebody is, uh, the less direct you can be with your with your selling messages. And the more aware they are, the more direct you can be. So, you know, uh, the example that I always use is something like toilet paper. If, if, if I try to sell you toilet paper with 10,000 words of copy, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to read it with toilet paper because we're also aware of the problem that it solves. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we want to know that it's softer or stronger or whatever, but we're also aware of it that really mostly we care about the price. But when you deal with some abstract product like a like a stock picking newsletter, 
you you know even if somebody is a is a buyer of similar products and services there's usually so much difference between the approaches and the markets that are being focused on and all of that that you really have to tell a a much more indirect story to get somebody into it and excited about it and 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 so you you have to cater your your messaging not just to to that conversation that's going on in their head but to the awareness of the market in general where they're at where somebody's at in their customer life cycle so you're obviously going to you know if you and I Kevin if if I'm trying to sell something to you because you know we've barely talked before today we don't really know each other you may have some positive affinity for me because you know we're 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 bros in this in this industry but if I try to sell you something it's going to take a whole lot more convincing than if John Carlton tries to sell you something so let's say you know me and John Carlton are both excited about some new book that just came out well, if I try to sell it to you, I'm going to have to, you know, show you that I actually understand you and all of that stuff. But John's just going to say, "Hey, Kev, dog, pick up this book." Yeah, right. <laughs> and and that that's that's all that it's it's going to take. And so all of this really contributes to to the type of messaging you use, the length of messaging you use, the amount of copy, all of that. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a good it's a good recipe. Yeah, I gotta say, you, you brought up toilet paper. It's funny you use that example. Is I recently was in the supermarket and on one of the toilet paper packages it said we listened now two times stronger <laughs> and I said wow that's amazing so they so many people thought to call <laughs> like they, you know they they well, they had this in, unfortunate incident with their toilet paper they went <laughs> they they found the eight hundred number. And then, unfortunately, in that same moment, they, they dialed their phone. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was the most disturbing product improvement I had ever seen announced. Oh, man. I have nowhere to go from there. <laughs> we, we listened. <laughs> it just killed me. All right. So, Roy, man, we're already at 30 minutes, and this is great stuff. I, I hope we can do this again. I know you have so much to share. I just love that you're one of these guys who's in the thick of this be doing it every day, like you said, just, you know, having sort of a, an agony day that will be soon quickly followed by a you know, victory day as copywriters do. Nobody whistles while they're writing their copy, man. Just not, <laughs> not the way it goes down. But I want to get to the essential question because I, I know you're going to have a great answer to this. So because you've got your own business as a freelancer and certainly you do a lot of uh, selling to prospects for your clients. So Roy Fur. What is the one thing you've done in your marketing that produced the most surprising results? Well, I, I know that you're setting me up with a slow pitch to actually give two answers to this question. So, so the first one is actually in my own business. And let's rewind all the way back to like 2006. And I, there was somebody who I decided that I wanted to work with. And basically, I wrote him a letter. Well, the, the, the subject line of the email was, David, I challenge you to a duel. And this guy was a, a Taguchi testing expert, David Bullock, who had spoken at Ken McCarthy's system seminar and was Perry Marshall's testing guru. And I basically said, you know, you're a testing expert. So who am I to, to do this? But, but, but I want, I want to go in a head to head test against you. I want to write a sales letter for your program teaching to Gucci testing. And if you, if you don't like it, you don't have to run it. 
if you do like it and you test it and it doesn't beat your control, then you don't have to pay me. You only have to pay me if you like it, you run it, and it beats your control. And that was how I launched my freelance copywriting career. I wrote this, what I call an irresistible offer letter. And, you know, not just to pitch my book, but I, I, I wrote about it in my book, The Copywriter's Guide to Getting Paid. And, and so anybody that's really interested in reading that, that's in there. It, it's, it, but but the, the whole idea is you make an offer that's impossible to refuse. And at yeah. that point in my career, I didn't have you know, the portfolio to say, oh, you should pay me $20,000 up front and right. up to 10% of sales. So, so I made an irresistible offer. Uh, on, the, on the client side, um, I was blown away. This wasn't something that I had the idea to test, but the, the results were incredibly surprising. Nonetheless, this was super sophisticated marketer selling to their own customer file. And, you know, I'm used to running these launches where you have this launch period and you have a deadline and you do this big promotion leading up to the deadline. And then you close the, the cart and, you know, maybe some people open it up with, whatever, whatever, <laughs> you know, the, we, we crashed the servers, all that stuff. <laughs> but I wrote this promotion for, for a client and we did that little opening period. And, and initially they were actually going to do two. They did like a one day launch sale. And then they did one that lasted for a week, I think beyond that. But then they said, well, we're going to extend this. And they actually had a spreadsheet that went out, I think o- over 11 separate deadlines we didn't get through all 11. I think we got through seven total. But they ran seven consecutive price increases mm. on this service. And we kept bringing new messaging. We revised the promotion to reflect current opportunities in the market. But we went through seven consecutive deadlines to the same audience with higher prices each time for this very high price service. And sales kept going up throughout the entire period. You know, I don't remember exactly whether it was unit sales, but I know it was dollar volume. And the the uh, most profitable day of the campaign was the last day on the seventh deadline. And, and this whole idea of rolling deadlines just completely changed my perspective on, you know, if you can bring something new and relevant over the course of, of, of seven price increases. And, and you're going to be able to fulfill on that and make the person who bought at the, the seventh price just as happy as the person who bought at the first price. There is probably a market for it. Um, and, you know, a lot of people would say that's beating up your list or whatever. But those, the people who, who, who responded to the seventh offer, those people you know, were, were just as happy to respond as the people who responded to the first. Right. Maybe they didn't see it, maybe whatever. And they were monitoring unsubscribes and all of that. We were be- being very conscious about the conversation going on in their head, how they were responding, you know, how they were engaging with, with the subsequent offers. But, but the reality is, you know, <laughs> most of the time your prospects don't wake up wondering about you. They don't wake up caring about you. And a lot of times they're going to ignore you, even when you think you're, you're in the middle of something big. And, and seven deadlines was what it took to get some of these people to really pay attention. So, that's great. yeah, yeah, fascinating. Really, no, really great. And, you know, that's the thing of being a pro. And by the way, look at the – if you're a freelancer listening to this or you're somebody who's like looking to hire a copywriter, 
I don't think you can probably hire Roy, but let's look at the criteria this man sets. So you did the thing that so few people will do. Dean Jackson famously says, what would you do if you only got paid if your customer got results, right? That's what you did. You made the irresistible offer. The man would be a fool to not take you up on that. He had nothing to lose whatsoever except maybe a few minutes to read your copy, make sure it was good, then get excited about the opportunity. That's the same reason that you're a part, you're working with clients now who are open to testing all kinds of stuff that could be innovative and really causes breakthroughs. And, you know, people who pay more for products use them more and use them better and they become your best customers not only because they pay you more money but because they use your stuff and they love your stuff and they share your stuff so man just like so many light bulb <laughs> lessons just in those two answers roy great stuff man breakthrough marketing secrets.com that's Thank where you. that's where you'll find roy and man things we didn't even get to that we could have talked about today the architecture of skill stealing smart a topic i love great book austin cleon is steal like an artist and more so roy i hope we'll get a chance to do this again i would i look forward to it right, thank you man. kevin thank you for being here roy fur everybody we'll do it again soon and please head over to copychief.com for more hey thanks again for listening to the truth about marketing podcast if you like this show and you think other people would like this show the best way to spread the word is by reviewing and rating the show in iTunes. Just log in, click review, leave a big old fat five-star review, and let everybody know that you dig the show so that they can dig it too. To get all the links and resources we mentioned on today's episode, please go to copychief.com forward slash TAM, as in Truth About Marketing. And if you'd like to... Uh, learn more about how you can improve your sales copy with uh, templates, formulas, coaching, feedback, or hiring a pro. Do all that on the inside of the members area of copychief.com, and I will look for you there. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.